0: Nothing makes me happier than listening to the music on this show every day that I listen to it, because it always just makes me smile. And I don't know who picks out all these songs, but whoever's doing it, you're doing an amazing job. All right, well, but name the tune.
1: Anyways. <laughs> Come on, Jordan. Wait, you know the
0: tune. I got nothing. I got nothing. I have Are no you idea. kidding me? No, seriously. I really don't know. The it's, Brady Bunch. No, it's not the Rolling Stones. Is that the Brady Bunch? It's no, the Brady Stones. Bunch. <laughs> it's not Led Zeppelin. Very good. That
1: was <laughs> my next guest. Okay, okay, there you go.
0: I'm out. I'm Michael Aaron Woody sitting in for Dave Congleton today on Hometown Radio, uh, News Talk 92, 920 AM, 96.5 FM. This hour, we have an amazingly special, super special guest, and that is former state assembly member Jordan Cunningham. What an honor it is to have you here today. You are too kind. Thanks no, for the invite. No, thank you. Thank you for coming on here today. When uh, I was first putting t- together this show, I was uh, Nairi and I were talking, Nairi Shajin, who obviously you know very well. Yep. And uh, Nairi and I were talking about this, and she mentioned to me, she said, Why don't you call Jordan up? And it, you know, the light bulb went off because what I was looking for is I was looking for people to come in and talk about. These lies that they have. And, and the th- real theme of this today is people who have done things, what I would say, a lot differently than the normal person living, uh, you know, your life. And these things, the people who have made decisions in their life to step out and to really do something clear out there in left field that most people will say that's for everybody else. And obviously with you, your name came up and it's like, oh. Got to reach out to him. Got to got to talk to him about this and doing something like this. And it, that's what I was saying. It's such an honor to have you here today. And then you're like, "Is that guy still alive? Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait <laughs> he's, he's not in been, office he's, anymore. He's been wait. out of office
1: since December. <laughs> Does he's, he count? Sitting, he's sitting around waiting to answer the phone. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so, anyways, thanks again for coming in today. One of the things that I wanted to talk about today is because you spent, I, I believe it was three terms, three two year terms, right, three two three year years. terms in the state in the state assembly, and so much of being in politics is what people see publicly. They see they see people like you in the paper or me when I've been elected office and passed in the paper. And they see our lives a certain way, through a certain prism. But what they never get to see is they never get to see the real person that's involved in doing this, that they have real families and they have real lives and they have real, you know, they just have a real thing going on. And the take that I've always heard about you was something really simple. There are two types of politicians out there. There are those that um truly want to be that politician. And then you have the people, which is the minority politicians, which are normal people that get involved in this, and you're more than likely to see them hanging out at Costco, eating a $1.50 hot dog, shopping with their family, and just being that normal person who happens to want to go into politics. You have always fallen in that latter category of just being this normal guy who got involved in politics.
1: I I'd, I'd say that's probably about right. I mean, I think a lot of people get into it for a ton of reasons. Yeah. And the people that I liked working with the best, whether it was local, federal or the state level where I served, were the people that fell into that latter category where you know, they you, you look back at the the founders and the framers and the idea was not for politics to be a career. Yeah. That, was, that wasn't how they set it up. I mean, these guys farmed you know, Ben Franklin invented stuff. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they had other lives. They would go serve in their state legislature. They would serve in Congress. They would go do it for a while because they had that call to serve, mm-hmm. and then they go back to whatever they were doing before. And that's sort of the model I I took. And you know, politics is—I mean, six years in the state assembly is uh, a lifetime. It's <laughs> <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> it's a long time. I, I and I was very fortunate and lucky, really, to served there at the time I did where I got to serve with Governor Brown first and then Governor Newsom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to work on some big infrastructure things, push and drive some uh, some issues through bills, whether it started out human trafficking, mm-hmm. career technical education from my time as a former prosecutor. I knew something about the human trafficking problem. I didn't know how bad it was. I sure. really got into doing legislation on it. Uh, from my time on the school board, I knew that we were underfunding career technical education, mm-hmm. you know, what used to be called voc ed back in our day. Sure. And uh, that was really the path to middle class for most kids. Mm-hmm. You look at the percentages on the kids that actually attend a four-year university and graduate by age 28, it's about 30% of high school graduates. Interesting. Right?
0: Okay, I did not know that. So 70%
1: yeah. aren't either aren't going or aren't graduating. Yeah. And you know, we've got a lot of building to do in California and mm-hmm. elsewhere <laughs> in all sorts of different ways. Yeah, no so, doubt you know start off with those things and then as i became more interested in in protecting kids online and that sort of overlapped with uh, the human trafficking thing mm-hmm. i started to see and learn how big of a problem we really have on our hands with the power of social media companies in particular big giant tech companies that are in the social media space and how much manipulation they're doing of of people's minds, and and that that became something that I never would have gotten into if you'd have told me uh, I was going to introduce bills that became the number one kill bill for Facebook mm-hmm. and Snapchat and TikTok in my last term in office. When I got to the assembly, I would have said, uh, "There's no way I'm interested in that fight." But you know what you get into it to do, and what you think you're going to do isn't always uh, the opportunity that comes before you when you're, when you're in office and you're trying to make good policy.
0: Now, what's interesting is that I know I've been one of those people that have constantly been out there, um, you know, telling people about social media, which, which I'm on. I mean, I, I'm we on. We all are. But, it's, right. in, it's indispensable to right. modern life. Exactly. But the concern that I've always had with Facebook, and I'm lucky enough that I grew up in that generation where my phone was attached to the wall with a cable. And we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have smartphones. When I went to school, I could come home and turn it off. You know, I grew up on track and field, cross country, all those types of things. Yeah, but, I heard you're a big runner. Yeah. Heard,
1: uh, yeah. Ultras or something. Yeah,
0: you're going to go with me one day.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> <Yeah>. not.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a roughly yeah. 100 miles too far.
0: You'll love every minute of <laughs> it. <this>, I'm <laughs> sure. So, you know, but but the thing was is that I, you, you could, as a as a high school kid, for example, you could turn it off where i'm watching kids today they can't get away from it you it's
1: 24 7. and you know what's changed too and this has affected the mental health of our youth in a, mm-hmm. in a severe way is they also that also means they can't get away from bullying bullying doesn't stop when the school bell rings at the end of the day no because it's done through snapchat it's done through tiktok it's done through these apps and it it it's a it's a big big problem if i if there's you know i'm Continuing to be active in this sort of space, now that I'm back as a private citizen, but if there's one social problem that we have not gotten a handle on, it's uh, how... Social media in particular is impacting our youth.
0: Yeah, and see, what's interesting, you bring up the bullying issue, and this is something that I've heard a lot of people with an older generation, with all due respect, that will talk about, well, geez, when I was growing up, you know, when I was bullied at school, I just tolerated it. it made me tougher and on and on and on. And that's where I have to explain to somebody, but you don't understand, when you were bullied, quote, bullied at school, It came during break between classes. It came during lunch period or something like that. You could still get away from it. We're dealing in a world today where kids are picking up their phones, and it's 24-7, nonstop, over and over and over and over and over, which is completely different than what we dealt with in terms of bullying.
1: Yeah, what if it happened at 11 p.m. when you're trying to get to sleep and get a good night of sleep so you can be alert in school the next day? Yeah, and and I've
0: heard kids... um, you know, that they literally sleep with their phone underneath their pillow, and they, they're on the phone all night going through this over and over and over. And um, and I know you as a parent, you've got to have a lot of um, oh, you know, we, concerns we, over we that. We fight
1: a constant battle against screen time in our house.
0: Yeah, it's a constant battle. I would imagine so. Well, listen, we're heading to our first break right now. And after this break, I want to continue this conversation about, um, you know, social media technology and how this is affecting our youth. So anyways, we're going to head to our first break right now. And thank you so much for joining us today. This is News Talk 920 AM 96.5 FM KVEC. Dave Congleton Show on Hometown Radio. This is Michael Aaron. What are you feeling for Dave Congleton today? Again, we have a former assembly member, Jordan Cunningham. I'm still having a hard time saying the word former in front of your name, by the way. Oh, that's alright. You can call me Jordan. Okay. It just feels it just feels so disrespectful if I just call you Jordan. No, but. not at all. Okay. Well, okay, we have Jordan on here. God, that just Still feels disrespectful. Okay. So we have Jordan on here. And, uh, you know, we came out of this last break talking about the effects of social media on kids. And I know that this was really important to you during your time in the state assembly, amongst many other things that you accomplished up there. Um, and we were talking about the importance of um, what, how it's affecting our kids today and our youth. Yeah.
1: I, to me, this is the modern version of uh, the tobacco litigation of decades ago, right? A, a product that. Maybe we didn't really realize, uh, as a society, how harmful it actually could be. And then maybe some companies weren't exactly forthright about that. And I think we're sort of at a similar historical arc Mm -hmm. with the social media thing. And I think, um, you know, in particular, TikTok and the data mining they're doing that's being shared with the Chinese Communist Party. You know, know, there's, there's other national security implications of it, too. Uh, but the, I tell you what, the political winds have shifted. Me and uh, my joint author, Buffy Wicks, who represents Berkeley, uh, did a bill for age-appropriate design code last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it had been done in the U.K., mm-hmm. and we modified that for California. We got that to the governor. Mm-hmm. The governor signed it into law. Okay. It takes effect January 1st. It's being challenged in court mm-hmm. by the t- big tech companies. Sure. But um, it's a first-in-the-nation type law to protect kids. Uh, it's modeled off a law that's already working successfully in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can't say, well, well, we can't possibly do this, or it's going to destroy technology, or we're going to boot every kid off the Internet. Right. All the same stuff they always say, um, which is false most of the time. So um, that was exciting to work on. I we ne- I wouldn't have gotten a hearing with that bill six years ago when sure, it started. Sure, yeah. so, and the, the politics have changed. The winds have shifted a bit. Uh, there's big case in, in the Supreme Court that was argued today against mm-hmm. Google. Uh, I don't know how that's going to come out, but no idea. Yeah, but and you know the the president's mentioning it in the State of the Union address two two years running. Uh, that that never happened six years ago. No, you know? no. I mean, so and you know, so I th- I think history's on our side. We're just sort of at that phase uh, where people that believe strongly that social media, in particular, children's access to it. Needs to be reformed, uh, and kids need to be protected against algorithms that addict them and are designed by neuroscientists to addict them more and more and more. Um, you know that little phone that your teenagers walking around with is basically a slot machine. Yes. You know, when, with respect to certain apps on it, that is designed by the smartest engineers, the smartest computer science software developers, and the smartest neuroscientists. That uh, Facebook can afford to hire, yeah, and they've got plenty of money to hire them. Oh <laughs> yeah, to addict them more and, and get them to to engage and use it more and more and more and more. And for some kids, according to you know Instagram's own internal research, mm-hmm. you know, thirty five percent of teen girls that use that product have body image issues. Yeah, fifteen uh, percent developed anorexia. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean that's one in six people that are using this product. You know, so it's. Yeah, the, you can't deny the harm that's being done, and uh, I, I think there's going to be a, a reckoning, and we're just sort of seeing the beginning of
0: it. Yeah, I agree with that, because most people don't understand, even beyond social media, all products that we're being sold by ad agencies, they're designed to sell to us and to play into our insecurities and our addictions, every one of them, whether it's a food product and the chemicals that they put inside of uh, prepackaged foods, whether it be the classic, which are cigarettes, or whether it even be social media. I mean, this isn't just a website that was designed to say, hey, this is kind of a neat website. Wow, go to it. And it learn started as that. Yeah, I mean, sort When Facebook
1: started, it was a cool way to catch up with your high school friends you hadn't seen in a while and see some pictures
0: and figure out what they're doing in the world. And it was just kind of fun that way. It has evolved a lot. It's a much different product Exactly. That the product that they're designing today is, like you said, like Instagram and whatnot, these are specifically designed to play into our emotional addictions and how the human mind works. No different than how nicotine was designed in order to create a chemical addiction with our body. This is the exact same thing. I mean, there's a lot of people out there and a lot of my friends, we all have those stories. That all of a sudden you find yourself for ten fifteen minutes flipping through your phone and going, wait a minute, what am I doing? What yeah.
1: what happened at that time? Yeah, what happened uh, to that
0: fifteen minutes? This is ridiculous. I, and it is a
1: necessity. It's integrated in the school system. I mean, the, the, you know, schools are putting more and more stuff on Instagram. Sure. So you, you you can't get. It's certainly for teenagers. It's hard to get away from it at all. Uh, you know, at all. It's and then during COVID, when the schools were mostly closed for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you take the phone away from your kids like that was the only way they were interacting with any other kids for for yeah. a while. So it puts parents in a terrible sort of Hobson's choice situation, and and the parents aren't really the ones that are designing the product. Every every other product that kids use or can use or can access, if you sell a bicycle helmet, you got to make that helmet safe for its purpose. It's got to protect the kid. Right. Um, we just haven't applied that same very yeah that 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 concept of product liability has existed in in the law for sixty seventy years it's, yeah. not, it's not a new thing you know we just haven't applied it to the social media apps are a new thing, and they're even different now than they were five years ago
0: now you have uh if you don't mind me uh, bringing this up you your parent and yeah you have four kids we have uh three
1: teenagers and a second grader
0: okay yeah now have there ever been any challenges with dealing with this as a parent or the or when you've talked to other parents? What challenges that they're dealing with with something like this? Oh,
1: yeah. One, I mean, sure. <laughs> you know, we've been fortunate, and none of our kids have had severe issues because of social media requiring sure. psychiatric intervention. But sure. that is that is the case for certain friends of mine. I mean, you know, that was part of the reason I started looking at carrying bills in this area. Is people would come to me and share personal stories of their kids Developing eating disorders and having to go get care for that, and that's and it was traced by the psychiatrist directly back to TikTok use.
0: Yeah, and that's something that's always been shocking to me because, um, you know, outside of my world of professional or anything else I'm doing, you know, people know that I, I'm into running and working out cross country and track and whatnot. It's one of my favorite things to do as a coach and help, especially uh, younger kids out, uh, teenagers and whatnot. And what's fascinating to me is when I see some of the athletes out there. And I watch them with the addictions, and I watch them with the, with the phone addictions. Let me be clear about that. The phone addictions and what they're doing and how they're creating so much pressure on themselves. It's almost alarming when I see it. And I, I'm, I'm grateful that I never grew up in that generation. I didn't have to deal with that. And they do. And that's got to be hard. It's it's a, it's it's a tricky one. It's a lot harder. And, and monitoring
1: it as parents, you know, my wife and I, are, we try to be really attentive. Uh, we don't give them phones till a certain age. Yeah, uh, you know we we've tried to ban TikTok in our house numerous times. Kids just go reinstall it. So <laughs> I don't, you know you could turn your house into some sort of police state, I guess. But you know there's parental control technology that is sort of helpful. Uh, I'm not sure how well it really works, but I, it it's it's a lot to put on parents, and parents aren't the ones designing the product and making tons of money off of it. No, so I know. I'm not yeah. sure why parents are the ones that have to. <laughs> You know, have the the ore in the water, like you know.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's what's interesting to me is is going back to the example earlier about the bullying, and and that's why I've always tried to share with people that you know they talk about well, these kids are wimps because they're you know they're getting bullied today. When I was in, when I was in high school, when I was in elementary school, I got bullied and blah 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 and on and on. But it's different today; it is completely different. We're dealing with a product that is literally taking. Uh, taking the insecurities of kids, and particularly like young women, and really playing into that to the point where they develop the eating disorders uh, the, and all kinds of addictive problems that they're having today. And we're seeing it everywhere. And it's just unfortunate to watch this and to realize there are still some people out there who really aren't understanding it. But you're Right. We're getting to a point where people are really starting to understand it now. So anyways, we're headed to our break right now. And after this break, we're going to get back in conversation with Jordan Cunningham, former assembly member of court, Jordan Cunningham. <laughs> and, um, thank you so much for listening. This is News Talk 90, 90 <laughs> 920 a.m. and 96.5. Can just take FM. that one over
1: again? News
0: Talk 920. New, news, FM, FM 90, News Talk 90, 920 a.m. What Craig said. Thank you so much. KBC. <laughs> Baby, baby, it looks like it's going to help Baby, baby, it looks like it's going to help inside, let me teach you how to jive and wend I think that I have inspired Craig to get his numbers mixed up. Is that yes, true?
1: Yes, I don't know. Inspired, inspired
0: or... I don't know. What's the other term? Like,
1: Jordan, you're an attorney. Tripped me up. You got the words yeah. for it. Inspired? Mm-hmm. First that word, first fired I, I don't know. Like, well, I just so, made up a word.
0: Did you? That's the kind of thing you can do. Do you use that in court? No. Okay, not a real word.
1: <laughs> Number messing up has become infectious.
0: Yes, it has. This is the hometown radio with Dave Congleton. I'm Michael are He's sitting in for Dave Congleton today. And we are have the honor to have former assembly member. I'm sorry, I can't call you Jordan. I have to say assembly in front of it. You yourself. know, he was an so,
1: assemblyman, not like president or anything. You can, you can. Yeah, he's, just, he's Dr. J. Okay. You we, him, we are okay. Call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late <laughs> to there dinner. You go. Like oh, if it was a senator, then I could see like, oh wow, you know that's pretty high position. Oh, no, that's the only reason to run for senate. But is is it? a better title. <laughs> but assemblyman, especially in California. I mean, isn't that like dog catcher? Like plus one. Wow. Uh, come on. Wow. Uh, that's a burn. Really. Are you rolling with your iron fist as assemblyman. Well, I like to consider it's the number of constituents you have. So four hundred ninety thousand. That's great, but that's, a, that's you know that's Come slim. on, if I'm, know. Catcher, I'm <laughs> if I'm a dog catcher, I'm catching a lot of dogs for <laughs> a lot of area. <laughs> yeah, for a lot of people. The best one, but yeah. still, you know, I'm just Michael. He's it's just he's Jordan.
0: don't, okay, well, you don't, don't yeah.
1: worry about assemblyman.
0: Okay, let's you Don't need again. to kiss his
1: ring. It's okay. okay.
0: Let's let's try this again. We're in conversation with Jordan today. Better. Yeah, perfect. That works perfect. Well, you okay. could still use his last name though, Cunningham. There you go, Jordan Cunningham. We're in conversation with Jordan Cunningham today. There you go, <laughs> works easy. <laughs> well, we've been spending the first half of this hour talking about some of his accomplishments, and one of them that's really important, I, I think, to both of us in here, is the aspects of what social media has been doing, especially to our youth. But um, something else that I want to talk about as well today. Uh, that I've always found fascinating is that we obviously live in a state that is very much controlled by the uh, Democratic Party. It's deep blue here. It's deep blue. But you know there's pockets of purple. There's pockets of deep red. Yeah, so how in the world does somebody like you who goes in as a conservative, member of the Republican Party, what challenges did you face going into that environment and how did you get anything done? Well, I had a couple advantages, I think, in that, one, I
1: was an attorney. I am an attorney. My wife and I have a law firm together. Um, You know, our social group, you know, the friends you kind of bring in to your life running for office are sort of the friends you end up with when Mm -hmm. you're done running for office. Because when you're in office, you know, there's a transactional element to a lot of things. Although I've met some great people that have become great friends over the course of time. But the, you know, we, we... we have a politically diverse set of friends, so mm-hmm. to speak. And, you know, as lawyers, you're used to kind of helping people solve problems. And, you know, you don't, you certainly don't judge them by their political affiliation or their political beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to take that approach to the job. Plus, your job is to, in my view, as a public servant, is to represent your district. And your district's got, the, my district had all sorts of different viewpoints. Oh, yes. And you had, yes. a, you had it all. We, we have, super far right in Creston. We have super far left at Grover Beach. Mm -hmm. We have everything in between in the middle. Uh, It's not all geographically correlated, but you get my point. But you add it all up and the district was pretty purple. So for me, if I'm doing stuff bipartisan, I'm working on offshore wind energy. I'm working Mm -hmm. on renewable energy. I'm working on, and then part of it's just getting stuff for your district that needs to be fixed. When I came in, my first year in office, we had 12 deaths in a month. At the highway 4146 juncture sure yes right i mean we had 17 that year um, i was really lucky because governor brown was very happy with me over a, a vote i crossed the aisle that was important to him um, and you know he he helped me get the money to permanently fix highway 4146 we landed that uh, it's, construction starts this year by the way on that okay uh, they're widening the 46 uh, up to the y mm-hmm. and they're going to start building the the interchange at the Y when, um, yeah. and you know, so stuff like that, you know, that's not red or blue. That's not, you know, D or R mm-hmm. that's just delivering for your district. Right. I mean, and, and because my district was one where I could reach across the aisle, I could do bipartisan bills. I got, I got politically rewarded for that because my district was, you know, very, very much down the middle. Sure. Uh, very purple. Uh, some people, if you're in a deep red or deep blue district, you, uh, Co-author a bill with a Republican, or you mm-hmm. co-author a bill with a Democrat, uh, you're buying yourself a primary challenger, right? You're making your life more difficult by doing yes. that. So, um, yeah, you know, you're you're there to represent your district, figure out where it's at. It's representative democracy, after all. Yeah, uh, and and try to deliver for your district. And whether that's you know get COVID release uh, during COVID, you know, mm-hmm. it was a lot of getting PPE for the district. It's highways, it's infrastructure stuff. A lot of that just isn't partisan. It's just, <laughs> that's just that's just being a good public servant and trying to improve your community.
0: Yeah, and I know that it's. I, I knew that you had a good head on your shoulders going into this because you know a little bit of uh, background and all this. Um, uh, at the year that you ran, and I'm going by memory on this one, was the same year that I ran for Congress. Sixteen. I think, no, 16. You ran, what year did you run? Well, I started running 2015 because someone right, told in 16. me how much
1: money I had to raise. And I was like, I better get going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yes. And, okay. You know, Cacho, my predecessor, you know, may yes. rest in peace, uh, who was my political uncle and mentor. Yeah. Um,
0: he was termed out of office that year. So that's that's right. He that said, was... Jordan, if you're going to do it, uh,
1: do two things. Make sure your wife's 100% on board. Yeah. Because this job is tough on families. Yeah. And that took me about three months. Mm hmm. And. We had a fourth kid, you know, and then he said, "Declare early and jump in with both feet."
0: Yeah, okay, so,
1: you know. But I, it was the 16 election.
0: That's right. Called. That was a 16, and that's when I worked on Castro's campaign because it was an 18 when I ran. And I remember before I ran, I, uh, I, I worked at some of your fundraisers just as some guy unfolding chairs and yeah, doing all this stuff like that. Thanks for the help. And yeah, absolutely. And it was interesting because. That was the thing that all of us were talking about when you were getting up there talking to everybody. And and I noticed about you personally is that you were the last guy to leave the room. You were there to clean up the tables. You were there to put away the chairs. You weren't this. And I've met enough of them in my life. uh, These politicians who run for office, and they're not there to do anything else besides be the celebrity for the night. Here you are being the last person out of the room with a broom in your hand, sweeping up the floors, cleaning everything up. And it was those little things that truly impressed me with you that I said, this guy's got it right. He knows what he's doing. He's family oriented. Um, he's well, got his I, head around. Really,
1: I was really doing that so I could get the extra wine.
0: Was it? Yeah. He had extra crazy. So like, yeah, if I stay last, I get the same crazy If I I can probably yeah. put that thing in my car. <laughs> Throw something back in the SUV tonight. <laughs> That's a joke, by the yeah, way. Exactly. The yeah, FPPC it, is listening. Yeah, it, it's a joke. Yeah. It's, but. Um, but I knew that that's where you had a good head on your shoulders. And everybody that I talked to, um, and, and Katja said the same thing. He said, oh, the guy's an amazing head on his shoulders. He'd be absolutely perfect at this. And, um, it, and it proved to be right over time because you got into office, and I don't – it was rare that I ever found somebody to say something bad about you. That's what was interesting to me.
1: Well, the thing, too, I would tell my kids when they were – when I first ran 16, they were pretty young. They yeah. 10, 8, 7, and 2, I think, when when I – and then first by the time of the first general election. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the TV ads would be flying. They'd be saying nasty things about you, whatever. Um, and it used to upset them as they got by my last race. They just thought it was all funny. Yeah. Uh, it, they're it, it, making fun of that again. But uh, I'd tell them, look, those people don't know me. Right. They don't they don't know the real right. you. They, and And people will say stuff on social media. They'll say stuff in campaign ads that they would never say if you were sitting right next to them because it'd be rude. And that's just the nature of it. So you can't, you know, there's there's the real you, who's a dad, a coach, a law partner, and then, you know, there's sort of the, uh, what gets put out there in in particular in campaign seasons. And those those just aren't the same things. They're not attacking you or me, they're attacking the idea of me, or they're mad at the party I belong to, or they're mad at, you know. Most people, when you, I truly, I was amazed. Like, in six years I was in office, most people that came up to me and said something Mm -hmm. were really, really polite and friendly. Yeah. And most people that were not going to be polite or friendly, you could pick it out right away because they'd sort of stare at you, recognize you, and then avoid talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) So it actually, in an interpersonal level, it was... Never a big deal. I can count on one hand the number of times somebody was actually, like, rude to me in
0: person. See, what was interesting to me Different is, story on social media. I know. That I just stopped reading it, yeah. <laughs> the, one, the one thing that I always found interesting is that before I got into politics is that everybody kept telling me that it's going to be harder on your family than it will be on you. And I found an interesting aspect with me, and I want your insight on this one, too, because, you know, after six years of doing this in a pretty high-profile um, office, was... um the things that I found about me was I was more concerned when it bothered my family and something would happen. It would bother them. That would bother me. But I discovered very quickly that I was reading things about myself periodically, letters to the editor or whatever somebody would say about me. And it almost became, Oh, that's what you're saying about me anyways onto the sports page. Yeah. Almost, no, yeah.
1: it's, it's, it, that's being a professional, right? Yeah. I mean, and the thing about it as the candidate, um, you know you have the ability to react and respond to things the candidate's spouse or partner does not they just sort of have to absorb it and people would say stuff to my wife that they would never say to me you know and, and so but my wife's she's a great attorney she's super professional and she never really ever let any of it really get to her
0: yeah okay okay anyways we're gonna head to another break real quick and we'll be right back with jordan cunningham did i do that right yeah, and it's nine twenty AM
1: KVC. <laughs> yeah. Which could help News, you out here.
0: News talk nine twenty. <laughs> Why don't you say it? You can, you do you should get that great voice. Nine twenty AM ninety six point five FM News Talk K V E C I've always found it that time will pass very quickly if you have amazing guests. And for the last few hours, I've had amazing guests on here, and it goes without saying that my third guest has just been absolutely stunning to talk to. And I'm stunned over where the time has gone, because I have 500 questions I wish we could talk about this evening, but we can't get to them all. I'll come back. Absolutely. You should <laughs> come back. Absolutely. I'd be absolutely thrilled. It would be an honor of a lifetime to have you here again. Um, anyways, we are in conversation with Jordan Cunningham former State Assembly member. I had to say that. You just knew I was going to say that. Yeah. It just has to come out that way. And we're talking about his time working up in the State Assembly, the challenges that he's been facing, some of his accomplishments as well. But I would be remiss if I didn't ask you the question, and I hate asking this because I already know the answer, because I get asked this. I am I going to run it's... for office again? You ever going to run for office again? Probably not.
1: Okay. Uh, it's certainly not in the plan uh, for any time soon. Uh, as I mentioned, we've got three teenagers. Mm-hmm. Got and a second grader, we got three in high school at the same time. Uh if you fast forward four years, we'll have three in college at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, and I've my sac- my my, t- my family has sacrificed a lot for me to be able to do this job. I mean sure. eight months a year I was gone Monday through Thursday for work, pretty much, you know, and you had dr- to and you had to drive that. Yeah, no direct flights. So that was a three and a half to four hour drive each way.
0: Oh, good um, grief.
1: Don't miss that commute, by the way. No, I don't recommend it. <laughs> I,
0: I would imagine if you drive it enough times, you know where all the stops are. Know where oh, all the...
1: yeah, I could probably drive I-5 in my sleep. Not that I would, but probably could. But,
0: yeah, I, you know, so it's just uh, I'm
1: I'm making up for lost time with, you know, my kids. I'm able to coach. I've always been able to coach soccer because it's during the legislative break. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wasn't able to always do, you know, I've done flag football. I've done baseball. Um I got to do JV high school soccer at my Mm -hmm. kids' school this year. That was a blast. Um, Never had the time in the schedule to do that. Um, And, you know, I just don't have any burning desire. I mean, if you're going to run for office, whatever office it is, I mean, you got to want it, man. Right. I mean, you want to – because you're signing up for attending events, dialing for dollars, fundraising. Yeah. uh, A lot of time away from home, a lot of time away at nights, you know, doing campaign stuff. Uh, you got to really have that burning desire to serve in that particular office. Was, oh, and I, I don't have another office I have that desire to serve <laughs> in.
0: <laughs> so. I would imagine not. <laughs> was the job different than what you thought it would be like? Yes and no. I mean, it was actually, I was
1: surprised at how easy it was to form relationships uh, and then partner with uh, Democrats understand every bill I ever introduced, every bill I got signed into law, every dollar of infrastructure we mm-hmm. got brought in. I needed Democrat votes for that. Absolutely, that's the yeah. structure of the committees, that's the structure. But you form those relationships, and the state assembly is eighty members for the state, mm-hmm. and the Senate's forty. Mm-hmm. That's still a small enough group you can reasonably get to know most of those people. You know, I played softball on Tuesdays, with, you know, on a bipartisan team. I played soccer on Wednesdays, bipartisan team. So you, you socialize with them away from work a little bit, too. And then, you know, you develop friendships. And that, that sort of, uh, I think, helped me land a lot of things I wouldn't have landed in terms of bills signed. Uh, you know, and and again, I was in a district where... You know, I knew where my no-fly zones were, mm-hmm. right? I never voted for a tax increase in six years. Sure, I think Californians are taxed enough. Yeah. I mean, that. you know, I, I am a Republican. Um, but I could shoot down the middle on energy, do a lot of stuff in offshore wind, renewable energy, uh, healthcare, education, supporting and pushing state commitment for career tech ed. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fighting human trafficking, fighting uh, social media addiction with kids those are all bipartisan issues anyway yeah, and, and so it's easy yeah. it's easy to build a coalition around those things and if you're a thought leader on it if, and you and you uh, you have the integrity and you build it over time the reputation and I learned that from Cacho before yeah. me uh, as a bipartisan person, then you can be pretty effective there, so I was surprised i guess at at the end of the day um, that you know, if you want to go up there and throw bombs or, sure. you know, introduce bills to, you know, cut any tax at all, ever, okay, yeah, like even give tax credits to somebody other than Hollywood, <laughs> <Okay>. for example, <laughs> yeah, like, you're not going anywhere, and you're not getting much done, right. and, you know, but if you go with the problem-solving mentality, uh, I was, I wouldn't say there's no unfinished business, but, I mean, between starting with the 4146 issue mm-hmm. and then my last bill presentation on the assembly floor was the bill to pave the way to extend Diablo Canyon uh, for five more years, sure. which is an issue I had worked on for six years, telling everyone that would listen in the media, in committees, everyone, the governor's offices, uh, hey, we don't have a plan to replace this power. Right. And we need it. exactly, okay? yeah. And it's carbon-free, by the way. Yeah. Um, to see that kind of come full circle, I got nowhere for four and a half years.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm telling nowhere. you. I'm telling you. <laughs> I heard you talk about this for so many years ago. The first time I heard you mention this, I, I will tell you this I literally scratched my head and I thought okay wh- what he's he's crazy he's never gonna get any of that pass it's just what's he talking about this for but you know credit where credit is due you you saw the curve before a lot of us did on that one and
1: more importantly than me seeing the curve some very influential people uh, helped the governor see the curve yeah and and which he well, didn't at first he did not no he, he actually was one of the votes to shut Diablo down when he was on the State Lands Commission. Very much so. And, you know, a lot of his voting base does not like nuclear power very much. So I give him credit for that. Yeah. I mean, that that doesn't happen without Governor Newsom going all in
0: on it. Exactly. Um, the future of California. What do you see as some of the challenges for the future of California where things are going? And that's and good and bad because I know, like with anything, democracy is not perfect. And where things are going is always going to be you know, uh, democracy in action, which is, you know, tugging on both sides and going back and forth. What are some of the challenges that you see for California in the future?
1: Uh, it's it's cost, and it's cost of living, and it's housing. We've mm-hmm. tragically underbuilt housing supply in the state for decades and decades for tons of reasons. It's very difficult to build anything here, mm-hmm. whether it's a clean energy plant or a housing development or anything uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, historical, legislative, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we've priced a lot of people out. And so we're seeing a flight out of the state of retirees. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, a bummer. And it uh, imperils your tax base in some ways. Um, So, I mean, I think that's California's biggest challenge. I mean, we've got the best weather in the country. Yeah, We've got uh, plenty of employment to go around, but you go talk to employers and they're like, I can't hire anybody because nobody can afford to live here. You know, so, you know, the the housing thing's got to get fixed, and I think it's moving in the right direction. And I think locally I give a lot of credit to uh, the leaders that run the cities here in the county because I think they've pushed the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, we got to make it easier to build, man. Yeah. It, it, you know, and, and you can have the environmental protection you want mm-hmm. without – Allowing those things to be used as roadblocks to stop anything.
0: Yeah, and it's it's difficult because you know with housing, obviously, I'm an engineer. Now I come from a family of architects and engineers, and I've worked in construction. I'm a licensed contractor. And uh, one of the interesting things that I have noticed about housing costs along the coastline is that we're also fighting against the desirability to live here, and that housing is not a commodity as much it is as it's an auction market. In other words, I don't care how much it costs to build something. As long as two people are willing to spend X amount of dollars on that house, for example, it might have cost you two hundred thousand to build it, but if you've got two people who are willing to spend 1.5 million on that house, it will always cost 1.5 million because it's an auction market so we have this odd uh, challenge in especially living along the coast of California and the Central Coast, which is so desirable to live here how I mean how in the world do you even attack something like that uh. It's, and, and the answer is, I don't know. I, I really don't. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, but
1: th- consider that most economists estimate right now mm-hmm. that we are two to three uh, million units short of what we need to meet today's demand. Good grief. Two to three million. And we are building now, right now in mm-hmm. California, at the fastest clip ever. Okay. And we're building about 150,000 units a year. So we've got a lot of catching up to do, and we're not doing it very fast.
0: What is interesting is I see the new development that's going on in San Luis Obispo now. And what's fascinating to me as somebody who works in that industry is to see that now we have competition out there. And that competition, you can see it in the other builders and talking to them. They're saying, hey, I've got to up my A game with uh, better appliances or better this and better that. And it's almost like I'm just starting to see the little bit of side of this that can help lower or keep housing costs reasonable is this competition from free markets so anyways we got about 30 seconds left uh jordan i'm, I'm going to give you the final word on this anything you'd like to talk about for the next 30 seconds well i promised my business partner i would i would
1: do a little plug for a new thing so me and my former chief of staff and political strategist nick merman have started cm public affairs and we're doing consulting in the renewable energy space in the housing space uh, some government procurement stuff so uh,
0: If you're interested in what I'm building, I'm building a new business. Sounds great. Hey, listen, Jordan, thank you so much for coming in today. It's been an absolute honor. Thank you, sir. So this is 920 AM, 96.5 FM, News Talk, KVC. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope everybody has a great evening. Have a wonderful night in San Luis Obispo, and we'll see you soon.